So today we are finishing up, as Joanne said, the Dream Church series. And I want to wrap up the series by talking about a really important topic, cruise ships and battleships, okay? So how many of you guys have ever actually been on a cruise ship before? So raise your hands high so I can see cruise ships, okay. Okay, so a fair amount of people. I personally really love cruise ships. They, I, think, I think I've asked you guys this question. I think we talked about them before. We, talked, we definitely talked about cruises at one point, and I really love them. They are a lot of fun. Probably my favorite kind of vacation. Now, how many of you guys have ever actually been on a battleship? Okay, we got a couple. Maybe you went, or like a Coast Guard boat or like a work boat. You know, like maybe you went to like Grand Haven, you went to the Coast Guard Festival, you like toured a submarine. Yeah, submarine counts, totally counts. Submarines are super cool. They're like, you get to know what it's like to be a sausage trapped in a little package. So battleships and cruise ships are essentially the exact same thing, right? I mean, in their structure, they're essentially the same thing. They, they are both boats, right? They're both boats that are designed to... They're just ships, excuse me. <laughs> let's reset here, let's go back. We'll have to edit this. Josiah, if you're listening to this, we got to take that out. <laughs> so they're both ships. And these ships do the exact same thing. They both float. They both are steerable. They both propel themselves, and they both are designed to carry things across water safely, right? So in, in essence, a cruise ship and a battleship are the same kind of thing. However, in practice, a cruise ship and a battleship are very, very different. So... If you've never been on a cruise ship, this is what you might expect from a normal room in a cruise ship here on the left. Sometimes they push them together and make one king, and then you've got a weird crack in the middle, and you roll into it in the middle of the night, and the boat's rocking, and it's not fun. But this is normally what you'd expect in a cruise ship room. You've got some beds, you've got some couches, you have your own shower, your own bathroom. It's a nice place, right? And if you get really fancy, you get one with a window, and it's really big, and I've never done that. But I've had rooms like this before. Now, if you don't know, this is what the room on a battleship kind of looks like. Uh, not quite the same kind of feel, <laughs> right? So not quite as luxurious. It's a little more utilitarian, I would say. You get your own little space, enough to sleep, and that's it. You were in the Coast Guard for a while, Chuck, right? Never on the, never on the ship. Was it air? Mm. Yeah. So you didn't have to sleep in a bed like that? No. That's nice. <laughs> So obviously there's a pretty, pretty big difference here between these. And just for another comparison, look at the difference in dining halls between two ships. So on the left here, you have this cruise ship with those really ornate uh, chandelier centerpiece and these fancy glasses. And you'll notice on the right, on the battleship, the, the seats are firmly affixed to the ground so that as they are going through these rough waters, they do not move. And there are pathways lined out where you should be walking. And it's very much more utilitarian and for a purpose than the cruise ship. It's kind of luxurious. Not to mention, on a cruise ship, you won't find large mounted guns on top of it. And on a battleship, you won't find a putting green or a water slide. So they are different in a lot of, in, in some very fundamental ways. And, and also their purpose. So a cruise ship is meant to entertain guests, right? 
to make people comfortable, to make them feel good while they're on the boat. Whereas a battleship is designed to take on the roughest seas in the world, designed to carry out missions in dangerous waters, and designed to fight when it's needed. And in many ways, churches can be compared to cruise ships and battleships. And depending on the culture of your church, you may look more like a cruise ship or you may look more like a battleship. And there are definitely some churches out there who see themselves as fun places designed to draw people in, to entertain them, and to make them feel good. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong. I'm going to say it now. There's nothing wrong with being inviting and welcoming, right? There's nothing wrong with putting an effort into creating a space that makes it friendly, to create a friendly environment. But if that's the end goal of your church, like if that's, our goal here is to be entertaining. Our goal here is to just make everybody feel really comfortable. That's what we want. If that's the end goal, that's wrong. That's not a church. That's a social club. And because church wasn't designed for entertainment, it's actually set up more like a battleship than you would think. So to finish off our Dream Church series, I want us to realize what kind of, I was going to say, I have boats here in my notes, but I want us to realize what kind of ship we're in, so to speak. So to gauge our situation, let's examine some biblical evidence and let's think about the mission of church in general and our church specifically. What does scripture say about what kind of vessel we are supposed to be? I guess that's a neutral term. I can't go wrong with vessel. What job are we designed to do? Are we supposed to be more like a cruise ship? Are we supposed to be more like a battleship? So to answer that question, you guys can go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians 10. That's where we're going to be in a moment. But before we get there, I want to show you this verse. It's just a one-off verse here from Luke 19.10. And help set the stage for what we're talking about. Luke 19.10, this is after Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus. He finds him. And he, uh, Zacchaeus repents and he changes his life. And Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And in terms of our analogy this morning, it's like Jesus is running his ship on a search and rescue mission, right? That's what he just said. He said that I came to seek and save the lost. Pretty clear statement. And imagine with me that you're on a boat, right? And suddenly a bad storm appears and the waters start to get really choppy and they, your boat starts going back and forth and it's really rolling in, it almost capsizes and the captain loses control and you smash into a rocky outcropping and your boat just splits in two. That would be a nightmare scenario, right? You're just, your boat's in the middle of the ocean, you're in the water, in the roughest seas you've ever been in and... What are you going to do? So right before the boat crashes, your captain was able to send out a mayday call, and he said, hey, here are our coordinates. We're losing control. Come and help us. If you were in that situation, which ship would you rather have nearby to help you, a cruise ship or a battleship? In that situation where you're stranded in the middle of the roughest seas you've ever been in, your boat's split in two, you're floating in the water, would you rather have a cruise ship nearby to come and help you or a battleship? Definitely. I would much rather have a battleship come to rescue me because they are equipped and trained and dedicated to that mission, right? They are prepared for that. They would be willing 
to sacrifice their lives to come into the rough waters to save you. Whereas a cruise ship might be able to throw some scones off the edge and maybe they'll have a lifeboat. But maybe they'll end up sunken with you along the way because their ship's not built for that kind of tough water. And this story isn't much different than the spiritual reality that we're actually living in. And when we look outside, just look outside with me for a second, and you look at this wintry, beautiful morning in Michigan, it does not feel like we're at war. Right? You look out there and you're like, hmm, that's actually pretty pleasant and nice. It's a little chilly, but it's definitely not a war zone. But that's not true. People are actually dying out there. They're drowning. And we may not see that, but Jesus did. Right? He saw the people of this world stranded out at sea, destined to die unless someone would come and help them. And Jesus knows that this mission, his mission is to seek and save these people. To lift them out of the water and to place them in the life boat to place them in safety to to move them out of that drowning into a safe place and when you become a christian you get conscripted into that mission as well right i guess my question is did you know you've been signed up (laughs) do you know you've been signed up for this kind of mission you you may have been drafted and you didn't know about it now you know you are signed up for this search and rescue mission and i want us to look at a passage this morning that talks about this spiritual reality that talks about what's actually going on in this world, which is where we are in 2 Corinthians 10. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. We've talked about these verses before. If you have participated in home group over the last few weeks, these verses are going to look very familiar to you because we've already talked about them. But it's important for us to look at them again. Let's look at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. Now let's just put the brakes on there for a second. And just stop and realize what Paul is saying. Paul is telling us that we're in a war. Right? That's just the assumption he makes. He's like, we don't wage war like everybody else does. And then you might be saying, wait, I didn't even know we were in a war. (laughs) What are you talking about? We are in a war. And it isn't the kind of war that the world is used to. It isn't a war that involves physical weapons or fighting one another or dropping bombs or craters being blown up from mortar strikes. It's not that kind of war. It's not a war that involves going to foreign borders with real battleships. But it is a war. Let's go on to see what Paul says about it. Look at verse 4 with me. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses or, or the word there is strongholds. This kind of deep, ingrained, thick-walled city bunker that is really hard to destroy. And we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So the war that we're fighting and the war that Jesus fought during his ministry is not the one of this world, but a spiritual one. It's the war where truth is fighting against lie. It's the truth, or it's the war where, excuse me, godliness is fighting against the adversary. It's the war where the powers of good and darkness are colliding in a violent and often unseen ways, especially if you don't know what to look for. And in our home group, we've been talking about how one of those battlefronts 
of this war is actually in our minds. It's actually always present with us personally, where we are taking every thought captive to Christ, where we are transforming our minds to win the war spiritually within ourselves. That's where we need to fight first and foremost. But it's also not the only place that we fight. This war is not just within ourselves. It's out there too. Turn with me to Ephesians. And we're going to look at verse 6. And this is, we're going to be in Ephesians for the rest of the morning here. Go eat popcorn, crazy. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Okay. So in Ephesians chapter 6, let's see what Paul has to say here about spiritual warfare. You probably looked at these verses before. You probably heard about the armor of God. But let's read them again. Look at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So as citizens of the kingdom, which you are, if you have professed Christ as your Lord and been baptized, you are now a citizen of this kingdom. And we are waging war against the other kingdom, against the God of this age, who is the devil. And we are waging war against the darkness in general. This, that seems really hard to comprehend mentally, but we are waging war against darkness and lies and against the institution of, the, of this world that stand up against the truth of God. We are also fighting against the wickedness of fallen man, just in general, of our sinful nature. We are fighting that all the time within ourselves, but also with others as we encourage each other to live more godly lives and to call people out and sin. Now, there's a way to do that properly. You just don't go around yelling at everybody for their sin. But that's for another time. And we are confronting the lies of this world. And we are confronting the lies of this world with the truth of God. And that is our spiritual weapon. It's what we fight with. It's what we fight with. It's what we fight salvation with, is the truth of God's word. And we go out and we use the truth of God's word to help save these dying and drowning people. And in the dream church, we are supposed to be a spiritual battleship, prepared to take on these spiritual battles, right? It's all about preparation and attitude and understanding. We are not a spiritual cruise ship. The, the church is not meant to be a social club. The church isn't meant to be an entertainment complex. It's not meant to be this thing where we just make people feel good, where we come together once a week and we talk about the things that make us feel good. No, there is honor and duty in what we are doing here. We are fighting for king and country. We are fighting for our resurrected eternal king. And we're fighting for a country that is going to be established at the end of this age where everything in the world is going to be changed. We are fighting for that country. But even though that is the reality 
of what Scripture points us to, it sometimes does not seem that way, which is why it's so hard to stay focused sometimes. Because when you are walking in the grocery store and you're picking up a can of black beans for your taco soup and you're thinking about your dinner plans for the weekend and you come to church and you sing songs of praise and you eat snack afterwards, it does not feel like you're at war, right? It's not the bombs and the sirens that would obviously tell you you're in a war, but it's there. It's there all the time. And we need to be reminding ourselves of that truth. That is the truth. One of the truths that help us defeat the lies of darkness. So we need to prepare for hard times. Let's look at what Paul says while we're in Ephesians. Go to Ephesians 3 with me. Let's read a couple more verses here where Paul talks about the function of the church. How are we as a church supposed to fight this war? What is our responsibility? What's our role? How do we fit into all of this? So look at Ephesians 3, verse 8 with me. So Paul's talking personally. He says, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So that... Now, this is the important part. Pay attention here. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul is given the ministry here of preaching to the Gentiles. And his job was to set up churches. His job was to go out and tell, hey, Ephesus and Colossae and Philippi, all these different cities. He's like, hey, here's Jesus. Here's what he's about. And then a church gets established. And then the church's job in verse 10 is to go into the world and to bring the wisdom of God to light. It's like Paul builds the battleships. And the churches are these battleships, and the battleships go out, and they spread the truth of God's word in their area. Pretty cool. Let's flip over to chapter 4, and let's see what Paul emphasizes the purpose of the church is. He talks a little bit more about it here. And actually, in this series, we were in this very chapter, in these very verses, talking about leadership. But we're going to skip down a couple of verses from there and read a little further because it tells us about what the church is supposed to be doing, how it's supposed to work in the spiritual fight. Look at verse 11 with me. Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. For whom the whole body, being fitted and held together 
by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I like that Paul uses the analogy here of being tossed around by the waves because it fits really well with our battleship analogy this morning. It just happened to be that way. And as we wage war against lies, and as we grow ourselves into this well-trained battleship crew, we no longer get pushed around by these waves, right? As darkness and lies and evil tries to invade our lives and our church, and as we move through this world, these waves don't push us around. They're not dangerous to us anymore because we know the truth. And we can help spread that truth to others so that they can escape these waves. We can move from immaturity into maturity with truth. We can, be, we can escape victimhood. We can escape lies and trickery and deceitfulness. And we counter offensive. We counterattack with truth. It's not like we're just like waiting for attacks to come and then we defend ourselves with truth, but we also use the truth offensively as a weapon to, to speak into the lives of people and say, listen, this is what God says. And then God does the rest. He's the one who performs the miracles. It's, it's Jesus who grabs a hold of their hearts and performs these miracles. We are just merely the mouthpiece. We're the helpers that come along and say, hey, look at how we've been changed. Look at what we're doing. Here's how we did it because of him. But this system of this battleship or this church, whatever analogy you want to use, this system is dependent on the proper working of each individual part. That's what Paul says. And that's so important because on a cruise ship, if you think about it, there are hundreds of people without jobs, right? The majority of these people... On cruise ships, the majority of people don't contribute to the function of what the ship is doing. It's like a job construction site in Interstate 75. <laughs> There's eight guys out there, but only one of them's doing anything. You wonder, what, what are they all doing? That's what a cruise ship is. It's, you have all these people, they're all in this boat together, but only a few of them are working. That is not how a battleship works at all. If you're in the military and, and you're slacking in your job and you're not doing what you've been told to do to carry the weight that you have been tasked to carry, you get in trouble, <laughs> right? And in order for a battleship to work, this well-oiled tactical machine that can do these amazing things, in order for it to work, every single person, every single individual has to be where they're supposed to be doing what they need to be doing. And if not, it doesn't work efficiently. Or effectively. And if enough people stop working, it can crash the entire system altogether. It can stop the entire battleship from working. We are not guests here to be entertained, right? We are members of a battleship. Crew members specifically tasked to take care of a job so that we can work together to accomplish something much bigger than what we are. So the question I want to ask you today the question I want to leave you with, and here are some points as well. Number one, do you participate in church for entertainment or service? Just honestly ask yourself that. Even more specifically, 
Do you come to North Kent on Sunday morning to enjoy yourself, to make yourself feel good, to be entertained? Or do you come here with the mindset that you are an essential part of what makes this church work? How do you walk into these doors? Where is your headspace when you walk in here? Because the truth is, you are essential. You are essential to making this church work. And you are a crew member on the spiritual battleship serving to spread the kingdom of God and fight against darkness. You are essential. And I think that's really cool. Just think about it. Think about yourself as the spiritual warrior for the kingdom. Doesn't that come with a certain amount of honor and duty? It comes with this kind of like bigger than yourself purpose. Like, wow, I'm not just here to listen to Josiah talk. What is he even saying? What? No, I'm not just here to listen to Josiah or to sing songs, but I am here as a warrior preparing myself to fight darkness, to destroy lies, to build up this body so that we can do more together. That is way different than walking in here hoping to be entertained for an hour and a half. That's a totally different mindset. And there's nothing wrong, like I said. I want to say it again. There's nothing wrong with enjoying being here. Right? It's not like you walk in and you're just like, oh, yes. No, you can enjoy being here. It's an environment of love. It's an environment of joy. And that's really important to maintain as well. But it's about mindset. It's about attitude. And it's about realizing where you need to be. Because, yeah, the mess hall still needs food cooked in it. And the battleship still needs maintenance. And there are people who need to navigate. We all have jobs, right? We just need to figure out what those are and try to do them well. Number two, realize that you are on a search and rescue mission. Jesus came to save and seek the lost. And we are doing that alongside of him. And because our church here is is small, we do that here locally. But the church as a whole is like a fleet of battleships going into all the world, telling people about Jesus. And we're doing our part here in Rockford, in Michigan. And with the Church of God General Conference, we can do that internationally some as well by helping them. And if we don't do our work, people are going to die, which is a pretty big realization. Imagine, again with me, that you're on that shipwreck, you're floating in the water, and you're hoping someone comes to save you, and you see a bunch of battleships flying around your troubled water, but they aren't reaching out, they're not helping anyone, they're just steering around these people. And imagine you just being in the water in this huge battleship with all these people on it, comes driving right by, and they don't reach out to you. What would you think? (laughs) Like, wow. And that's kind of what it's like if you're in this world. And you see all these churches going around, and you're like, who is reaching out to me? They say that this is their job and purpose, but no one's reaching me. And it's really comfortable and easy for us to gather in our mess hall of the ship and have a good time and throw a party and kind of ignore what's going on out there. But we can't do that. So I want us to reorient ourselves to look beyond ourselves, to look outward, and to reimagine what it means for us to follow the command to seek and save the lost. Part of what it means to be the dream church here. Number three, don't steer away 
from people's storms. And when you see darkness and difficulty in other people's lives, we may be tempted to steer around that darkness for our own comfort and safety. But if we were a cruise ship, that would be totally understandable. That's what we should be doing because we are there to make people comfortable and we're there to entertain. And you don't want to be on choppy waters. But if you're a battleship, you don't avoid these difficult times. You steer into them knowing that you're fighting the spiritual war and that you're going to help to seek people out and to rescue people. And that means that you actually got to look at people and you got to talk to them and see them and try to help them. You have to make that your priority. And if you do, you're going to be on the right track because you're following right in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus. You cannot go wrong when you're doing that. Just like he did with Zacchaeus. Jesus stopped in the midst of this large and bustling crowd and made sure to look at Zacchaeus and talk to him, to see him. And it would have been easy for Jesus to just ignore the evil tax collector and go about his day and let him sit in his darkness. Who knows what would have happened to Zacchaeus, but that's not the case. Jesus reached out. He saw him. He spoke to him. He walked into Zacchaeus' darkness and changed his life forever. And that's the same mission we have. We are in a spiritual battleship designed not for pleasure or entertainment, but for spiritual war, a spiritual search and rescue mission. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy our time together. Like I said, that that doesn't mean we can't have fun. That doesn't mean that pleasure is banned from the church. (laughs) We are allowed to have fun and love each other, but that same love that brings us together also drives us towards our mission of saving others to bring the wisdom of God and the light of Jesus into the darkness, to spread it to anyone and everyone who will listen, to reach out to the lost and offer them a hand in finding the one that can save them. That is our goal. That is our mission. Our dream should be to do that the best we can. Imagine our church as a life-saving vessel for God's kingdom. Let's dream about being used by God in such an amazing way. Let's dream about it. That's my dream. I hope it's your dream too. So let's pray this morning that God actually uses us this way because as as we've talked about Dream Church, we've covered a lot and there's a lot to live up to, but with God's power and time and effort, we can get there. Pray with me. God, I ask sincerely that in the authority of your Son and his kingdom that you work in this church, in our lives, so that the gospel may reach more people. I pray that you allow us to become the ideal dream church that you set forth in Scripture so that we can serve you the best that we can. Thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.